Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Now, the Lord of hosts, and when Brother Ted read this morning, uh, he, he, he read the Lord Almighty. And uh, the reason that the reason for that is in the Hebrew, the, it is the Lord Sabaoth. And we we've sung about the Lord Sabaoth earlier today. And so uh, the, the Lord Sabaoth, the word Sabaoth means armies uh, or the Almighty. He is the Lord of angel armies. He's the Lord of human armies, the saints that are gathered together to serve. Uh, remember the song we used to sing? Onward Christian soldiers. He is the Lord of Christian soldiers and he is the Lord of the armies of heaven, the starry heaven. And so he is the Lord Sabaoth and uh, he says to us, consider your ways. And uh, uh, the Hebrew also allows for us to say, set your hearts on your ways. In other words, seriously consider your lifestyle and your and your works that you're doing in your life. That's what Haggai is talking about. So Haggai in 520 BC, he's a, a, he's a, one of the people who have returned under the leadership of Zerubbabel. There were about 50,000 people that came back from the Babylonian uh, captivity and uh, they had to rebuild the city, rebuild the temple and, and, and set it up for the worship of God and Haggai was one of them. I'm going to say a little bit more about him in just a moment, but that's a little bit of the background. But he's calling the people, uh, thus says the Lord of hosts, thus says the Lord Almighty, thus says the Lord Sabaoth, uh, consider your ways. Set your heart on your ways. Let's bow together for a moment of prayer. Father, we thank you so much this morning for your kindness and love. We thank you, Lord, for this time that we can gather and lift our hearts to you in praise and adoration and thanksgiving. We thank you, Lord, for this time that we can come and look seriously at our lives and consider our ways. And we pray this morning that as we think about the message that Haggai brought to the people back in the days of long ago, that we also might realize we live in days that uh, are filled with change and challenge, and we also need to consider our ways. So help us today to put our minds and set our affections upon you and to do your will in our lives. We love you and we praise you and ask you to guide us as we worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Keep your Bible open to this passage. You know, I can't ever remember hearing a message preached on the book of Haggai. Uh, I've been listening to sermons for a long time. I listen to them on the television. I listen to them on the radio. I have books upon books upon books. At one time, my my, my library consisted of over 10,000 books. I've given at least half of them away. Uh, my wife says, yeah, but I keep buying new ones <laughs> and adding to the supply. Uh, but I, I, I'm a reader. I read and read and read and read. And 
I, I appreciate the the scholarship that I see in so many of the books. But I, as I thought back, uh, all of the pastors that I've served under, and I'm not not a whole lot of them, uh, but several, uh, I never heard one preach a sermon from the Book of Haggai. Now I'm just going to—you you don't have to answer this, but have you ever heard a sermon from Haggai? And some people say, what, what's a Haggai? You know, is it a fish? Is it a bird? Is it a man? Is it a planet? Well, no, Haggai was a prophet, a minor prophet, and, uh, and he has a major message for it. Uh, and the, the book of Haggai, uh, it was written, it's just a little book written by a little known man, and, uh, his name means festive or festival, uh, but if it's a shortened form of the name Haggai, uh, it, it means feast of Yahweh. And very likely his name was given to him because he was born on a feast day. Now we don't know that, but that's what some people conjecture. Um, and so it's just a little book, two chapters, uh, the second shortest book in the Old Testament. The shortest book in the Old Testament, by the way, is Obadiah, just one chapter. Uh, and so we don't know very much about this man Haggai. Uh, very likely he was uh, taken captive by the Babylonians or he was born in Babylonian captivity. You remember that the Babylonians came in uh, and, and took people captive from uh, uh, from Israel, uh, actually starting in, uh, in 605 and then 597 and then again in 586. That was the third day deportation. They came in and, and actually destroyed the city, uh, crumbled the, the, the temple, and, uh, and took the people away in captivity. And very likely Haggai was just a young man then, or he was born while in captivity. And so uh, he's, he's one of the three post-exilic uh, prophets. Uh, Zechariah and Malachi were the other two. Zechariah started his ministry ministry about uh, two or three months after Haggai uh, had had engaged in his ministry and then Malachi comes along almost a hundred years later and completes the Old Testament uh, prophets and so we had about a 400 uh, year period of silence between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament and then we hear still an Old Testament prophet John the Baptist comes on the scene He's the last of the prophets, and he introduces Jesus. And so, uh, and, and Jesus brings us the, the, the gospel. The gospel is how Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He arose the third day. Uh, he's alive forevermore. He's able to save to the uttermost. And one of these days, he's coming again for those who trust him, and he's coming again in judgment for those who do not trust him. Can you say amen to that? Well, yeah, the book... The book of Haggai covers only a four-month period in the year 520 B.C. And it consists of four sermons that he delivered to the people of Israel in Jerusalem who had returned from Babylon from the captivity after 70 years of captivity there. And each message is precisely dated. And in all its messages, uh, he was urging the people to have done with idleness, 
bitterness, with sloth, with indifference, with depression and despondency, and to be up and doing. Uh, Haggai is, uh, uh, is the prophet of priorities. He's saying, get your life in order. Put first things first. God is to have first place. And his work is to have priority in our lives. Put bluntly, what uh, Haggai was saying was, get to work. Get started. Don't stand around all day doing nothing. You see, uh, the people had come back after the decree of Cyrus was given that they could return. And uh, they came back in 536 B.C. and they started work on the temple. Uh, they uh, First of all, they built the altar where sacrifices were being made. And then they laid the foundation for the temple. Everything was in, uh, in ruins. And so they had to clear out the place and they laid the foundation. Uh, and then because of outside interference and because of improper priorities in the lives of the people, and I think also because of some misunderstanding of, of prophecy, the people stopped the work on the foundation. They laid the foundation, but then they quit. And for 16 years, the foundation was there, but nothing went up. And Haggai comes along and he says, it's time to get to work. He has a message from God. You see, the people had returned 50, 000, uh, approximately 50,000 of them, just, just short of 50,000. They'd come back in 536 B.C. And, and, and they had begun the work, but then they gave up. Then Haggai comes on the scene and he says, Thus says the Lord of hosts. Thus says the Lord Almighty. Thus says the Lord of Sabaoth. Consider your ways. Uh, literally, set your heart on your ways. And the plural implies consider both what you have done actively and what you have suffered passively and ponder earnestly whether you have gained by serving yourself at the sacrifice of God. And so what we see is in, in his preaching is he's, he's focusing in on cause and effect. He's focusing in on sowing and reaping. He's focusing in on actions and consequences. And he's saying to the people, what you're experiencing now is a result of what you've sown. It's a result of what you've done. And you've been idle now. Now it's time to get to work. Now I want you to notice again in verse 5. He says, five, uh, consider your ways. And in, in his little book of four sermons, uh, four messages, in just a, a little just a little bit of time in each one, he says five times to consider your ways. Uh, he says it in verse 5, and he says it in verse 7. He says it in chapter 2, verses 15 and 18, twice in verse 18 in chapter 2. And so he's the prophet of priorities. First things first. Um, 
reminds us of what Jesus said. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, the necessary things of life, will be added unto you. The necessary things of life are the serendipities that come along whenever we have our priorities in in line. You see, a serendipity is the ability to discover certain things while in pursuit of something bigger and if we will pursue the will of God and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness then the serendipities will come along that is the addition of all the necessary things of life the food the shelter the drink uh, the, the the health the, the 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 peace the joy all of those things if we put God first well, I want you to notice with me that Haggai chapter 1 and verse 5 then, he says, consider your ways. And I want to preach to you today on this subject, how big is God? And I, I've, I've learned some wonderful truths that I want to try to share with you as we think about the subject, how big is God? And it could be it's stated, how great is God? Now we serve a great God. I mean, uh, a great God, and whenever I ask the question, how big is God, don't you think for one moment that I'm going to try to answer that question, Uh, because it can't be answered. It's an unanswerable question. And because because God is immeasurable, because God is infinite, because God is limitless. I heard a story one time about a little girl in Sunday school and she was drawing a picture. And the teacher said, what are you drawing? And she said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher said, well, honey, nobody knows what God looks like. She said, well, they will whenever I finish this. Well, listen, I want you to know that no matter how you think about it, God is limitless. You're never going to be able to understand everything about God. Whenever we speak of God's peace, we speak of the peace of God that passes understanding. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 7. Whenever we speak of the love of God, the Bible says the love of Christ is past knowing. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 19. And then Paul said in Romans eleven thirty-three. Oh, the depth of uh, both of the riches and the the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. You see, God's wisdom and God's knowledge are unsearchable. And his judgments are past finding out. That is beyond our ability to comprehend. We, We can't understand that. In the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 55 God says that your ways are not my ways says the Lord and your thoughts are not my thoughts my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways are higher than your ways says God and God is letting us know that he's far superior in his thinking in his knowledge in his wisdom in his ability than little man can ever possibly be 
So I want to tell you at the outset, you'll never fathom God, but you can find God. You can never fathom God because of His greatness, but you can find God because of His grace. Can you say amen to that? (laughs) You see, God is a God of grace. uh, And He wants us to know Him. And He says, you'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. God is not hiding Himself from us. He's revealing Himself to us. And He has revealed Himself to us perfectly in the person of Jesus Christ. God sent Christ to be the Savior of the world and He wants you to know Him and He wants you to honor Him. And so He is the Lord of hosts. And I thank God that we have a God who is revealed to us in His Word in certain ways and in one of the ways that He reveals Himself to us is in the names that He's given to Himself. And by the way, if you check the Bible, you're going to find out that there are scores and scores of names that God gives to himself. He's known by those different names and a study of those names will enrich your life as a Christian. But one of those names is the Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty, the the Lord of Sabaoth. And I want to quickly call your attention. You have a a sermon guide in the bulletin this morning. Uh, Three points that I want to just point out to you. And by the way, this, this title, the Lord Almighty, the Lord Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, is used approximately 250 times in the Old Testament and it's used uh, as the Lord of Sabaoth in the New Testament twice. Once in Romans 9.29 and the other time James chapter 5 and verse 4. When you come to the book of Malachi, he uses the term 27 times. And so Haggai and Malachi both zero in uh, on the name the Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty, the Lord of Sabaoth. Uh, He is the Lord Almighty. He's the Lord of the armies. And uh, the the term speaks of His greatness, the greatness of God. It speaks of the bigness of God. It speaks of the grandeur of God. It speaks of the might and the power of God. He is the Lord Sabaoth. And whenever we think of the Lord of hosts or the Lord Sabaoth or the Lord Almighty, we're thinking we're thinking of his mighty power he is the lord almighty Uh, and we need to give our lives to him humbly trust him and faithfully serve him i want you to know that he is the lord of the heavens on your listening guide he is the lord of the heavens Uh, in chapter 2 and verse 6 we see this phrase, the Lord of hosts or the Lord Almighty in the New International Version. And I want you to notice here that he is the Lord of the heavens. For thus saith the Lord of the hosts, the Lord of the hosts, uh, the Lord Sabaoth, the Lord Almighty. Yet once it is a little while and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And then look again in verse 21. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake the heavens heavens and the earth. And so God is the Lord of the heavens. He is the Lord of the earth. He is the Lord of the sea. He is Lord of the material universe. And why? Because he created them. 
You know, if you try to figure out how the world got here, how the universe got here, without knowing that God did it, you have come to the biggest the thought process in life. You see, the, the, the person that doesn't believe in God, if all you do is, is depend upon your own thinking and your own scientific man, uh, mind, uh, you, you're, you're going to come to the end of yourself. You see, uh, you're, you're going to come to what all the atheists come to, to what all of those that don't believe that there is a creator comes to. You're, you're going to come to the fact that you just don't have the answer for it. You know, how did it get here? And a lot of people just, uh, how, did, how did the universe get here? A lot of people speculate about that. And so uh, God is the God of the heavens. The Bible begins in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, God, and the word God there is Elohim. If you were to, it's it's a plural noun. If you were to uh, translate it um, uh, literally, it would say, in the beginning, the gods, he created the heavens and the earth. In other words, there is within that word uh, the the structure of the Trinity. You see, God is a Trinity. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. And to create is to make something out of nothing or to call into being uh, something that didn't formally exist. Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens heavens made now how did it how, how did they get here how did they how, how did the universe come to be by the word of the lord he spoke it into existence now you may say i don't believe that well yeah, then you come up with your own way you come up with how to how to do it you know uh, i heard about somebody talking and saying uh well i i think that god should have made man differently and if i was doing it i'd do it differently and they said well make one and he said okay give me the dirt and he said no 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 you got to make your own dirt and it takes you a little while you know you, you got to take a, a little while you see god made man from the dust of the of the ground and may i remind you that dust that's stuck on itself is just mud <clears throat> now we'll go on <laughs> you see we sing the song sometime, uh, how great thou art, you know. Oh Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder, consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. We love that song. And, and God is the creator of the heavens. Another song that we sing is it took a miracle it 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 it, uh, it starts off by saying my father is omnipotent and that you can't deny a god of might and miracles is written in the sky you know it took a miracle to put the stars in place it took a miracle to hang the world in space but when he saved my soul cleansed and made me whole it took a miracle of uh, of, of saving grace and that's what god does for us Uh, He saves us. He's the creator God. You know, 
This earth is just really uh, a little speck as far as God's universe is concerned. We're really not very big. Um, there, there are just nine planets in, uh, uh, in, in our solar system. Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. And these have uh, some 28 moons and some little planetoids that just flying around out there. Uh, but this is just one little corner of, of God's great expanse, of God's great universe. Uh, and this, this is just the solar system, and there, uh, there are just uh, uh, these are just the planets that orbit around our particular sun, uh, and our sun is 93 million miles away, and that's just a speck as far as God's creation is concerned. You, did you know that we're um, just a very small planet? Jupiter, for example, is 1,300 times bigger than the Earth. Uh, and that's just in our little solar system. We're really quite small. Uh, you, you look out there to the Milky Way and all of these myriads and billions of stars in the Milky Way in our galaxy, and some of these stars are so big that they're 300 million miles across. Now, just stop and think. 93 million miles from Earth to the Sun, but then some of the stars uh, are 300 million miles in diameter. <laughs> I, you, you, we don't have the ability to think like that. One scientist is trying to help us to understand just how great the universe is, said there are more known suns in our universe than there are grains of sand on the seashores of all the earth. Now, grains of sand on all the seashores of the earth. What a great God we serve. And this is just in our galaxy. Now, there, there's another galaxy that we can see with the naked eye. It's Drometer. And, and it's just a faint speck out there. Uh, and do you know how far away Drometer is? Well, it's one and a half million light years away. And, and uh, a light year is how far light travels in a year at the speed of 186,000 miles a second. Now, that's incomprehensible. You know how fast that would be? If you were to light a candle and that light from that candle would take off, it'd go around the world and come back before you could blow the candle out. That's how fast. And just think that a million and this, this drometer, a million and a half light years away, that light is taking a million and a half years to, to get to us, traveling at 186,000 miles per second that staggers I mean we, we, we can't even think like that our, our, our little thimble brain thimble sized brain we can't comprehend that kind And but God is running it all God, God created it 
God controls it, and God is going to consummate it. Look at again in verse 6 of chapter 2. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And so he lets us know that there's coming a shakedown. Uh, and this stable universe, all the things that we depend upon, the things that we're used to seeing and 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 moving in certain, certain orders, all of these things that we rest upon, they're going to be shaken. God's going to shake them. Uh, the God who stretched them out like a curtain is going to fold them up like a scroll. Uh, even the mighty stars are, are in their courses are going to be shaken. And this earth and the works that are therein are going to be burned up. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3.11, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? And so God is letting us know that he's going to shut it all down. He's in control, and he's going to consummate the creation. I wish, let, let me just make the point that I've made uh, in, in the listening guide for you. It, do you have anything in your life that cannot be shaken? Listen, everything that is not nailed down with a nail of grace and the hammer of God's word is going to be shaken out of place by his judgment. The only thing you can depend upon, friend, is God and his word. God never lies. God never dies. God is always dependable. God is always loving. God is willing to change you. And when you come to know him, he will change you. And if your life has not been changed, you don't know him. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so when God moves into our life, he changes us. Thank God for that. Well, everything is going to be shaken. God tells us that. The second thing that you note on your listening guide, and I'm going to just quickly give you the answer to this. Not only is he the Lord of the heavens, he's the Lord of the harvest. The Lord of the harvest. Look back again in chapter 1. Verses 3 through 5. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you, O you, that to dwell in your sealed houses or paneled houses? And this house, that is the temple, lie in waste. Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You see, uh, he's talking about the harvest. And he said, uh, you've sown much, you bring in little, you eat, but you've not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe, but there's none warm. And then listen to this, and you can say amen to this. He says, he that earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with, a bag with holes in it. Uh, are, are you there? <laughs> I, I'm there. <laughs> maybe, maybe you feel like you're putting your money in a bag with holes in it. I think we can identify with that. See, inflation is not something new. Uh, it, it's been around for a while. Well, you see, these people, uh, they had started the work. They were to serve God. They were to build the temple, but they gave up on it. And, uh, and instead of being humbly grateful, they were grumbly hateful, and, and they didn't serve the Lord the way that they should. They started taking care of themselves, building their own houses, uh, and, 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 and doing the best that they could in those houses but they let the 
temple just remain unfinished. And so uh, God sent some some things. He God chastised them. Is really what he did. He said, "You sow much, but you bring in little." And so there was economic disaster. There was inflation. There was a slowdown in productivity. Then you look in verse nine. He says, "You look for much, and lo, it came to little." And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Now, what is God saying? He 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 he's saying that that I'm responsible for this. I did this. You see. Uh, and then in verse ten, he says, "Therefore." the heaven over you is stayed from dew and the earth is stayed from her fruit so God says I'm going to put a blight on the harvest and God slows everything down and God causes everything to come to a standstill now why did he do this well he did it he held back the rain. He held back the, the, the crops. He allowed them to not uh, have all of their needs met. Their money didn't. Uh, there was more months left at the end of the money, uh, like many of us face. There was recession. There was depression. Uh, there was a slowdown in national productivity. Uh, all, all of these things. There was drought. Uh, the, the harvest wasn't producing. And he's the Lord of the harvest and he withheld the harvest and the God of love was behind all of this well uh, is there a modern parallel to this I think that there is and I'm just going to ask the question what do you think is wrong with America let me say uh, we've had record drought we're in a drought in California right now Uh, in in, in other places they've had record cold in other places they've had record heat in other places there have been record rain Uh, we've had I just wrote down some things hurricanes tornadoes floods fires earthquakes tsunamis droughts volcanic eruptions plagues and other things and nowadays we're facing Ebola and the possibility of it spreading we're seeing all kinds of things we've all we're constantly going through things and the God who is blessed America so much seems to be chastising us saying you have gotten away from me you've neglected my word you're not being obedient to me and as long as you do go this way I'm going to keep pouring it on can you say amen to that you see the people had forgotten him and what needs to happen is for them and for us we need to repent and get right with God let me the the last thing I want you to see not only is he the Lord of the heavens and the Lord uh, of the harvest but he is the Lord of history he is the Lord of history we serve a, a, a big God he is the Lord Almighty he is the Lord Sabaoth he is the Lord of history Haggai chapter 2 and verse 6 again for thus says the Lord of hosts yet once it is a little while and I'll shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and then in verse 7 he says I will shake all nations I'm going to shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come. Now who is the desire of all nations? And literally it means the desired of all nations. And some feel that this is a prophecy concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and it may well be. And I think that the the Lord Jesus Christ 
is certainly included in this. But he may be saying here that the things that all nations desire is going to come to my house and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. And the silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts, the Lord Almighty. And so God says that he has a plan and whether the nations want to cooperate or not, his plan is going to be fulfilled. He's in the process of fulfilling that plan even now. And I want us to learn something. Uh, This church needs to learn it uh, if you haven't already learned it. And we need to learn it as a people of God in America. And that is God's work is never stopped for a lack of resources. God's work is never stopped for a lack of resources. No Christian enterprise has ever stopped because of the lack of resources. It may be stopped because of the lack of faith with God's people. It may be stopped because of a lack of sacrifice from God's people. But it's never a lack of resources. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, God says. It all belongs to God. And if, when we trust Him, He provides for us. God says these things are his. They belong to him. There's no bankruptcy in heaven. Uh, There's no recession in heaven. There's no depression in heaven. There's no drought in heaven. And there's no panic in heaven. Only plans. The UN may meet in emergency session, but the Holy Trinity is yet to meet in emergency session. You just mark it down. God knows what he's doing. And this world is his world. And the answer to this world does not lie in the UN. The answer to this world does not lie in the OPEC nations. It is not in Washington, D.C. It is not in London. God is the God of our resources and God is marching on. Can you say amen? Amen. God is going to take care of this church. God's going to take care of his people wherever they are. And even though we hear frightening things on the television, the reports are negative, 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 negative. Even though things go down, 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 God says, there's a day coming that I'm going to enthrone my son on my holy mountain in Jerusalem. He's going to rule. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he will reign where'er the son doth his successive journeys run. You can trust him and he will change your life. Now, there's a lot more that I wanted to say today, but I'm going to stop right here because I know that we're all getting hungry and so I'm looking for I'm, I'm looking forward to that also but listen folks he's the Lord of the heavens he's the Lord of the harvest he's the Lord of history he's the Lord of your life he is Lord he is Lord and we need to crown him Lord we need to bow before him as Lord we need to recognize him as Lord and we need to honor him as Lord Jesus Christ is Lord and one of these days every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and to the benefit of every, everyone who honors him. Now, in, in case you haven't yet bowed your, bowed your knee and humbled your heart before him, Jesus Christ died on that old rugged cross in order for you to be saved, in order for you to be forgiven of all your sins, in order for you to have a home in heaven. 
And He wants you to trust Him. And if you haven't done that, we're going to sing a song and give you an opportunity to say, Yes, I'm going to put my trust in, in Him. I know that He alone is worthy and I need Him. If you need to do that, you come as we sing our song today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your kindness and love. And we ask you now, as we consider our ways, Lord, if there are those present that have not yet trusted you, help them today to come to say, I'm trusting Jesus to be my Savior and Lord. And Lord, for all of us that have said, yes, we trust you, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be strong, to look to you, to trust you, to follow you, and to do our very best for you in every every day that we have and in every way that we possibly can. We love you and we praise you and commit our lives to you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing our hymn of invitation this morning? We're singing, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. Let's sing together.
Amen. Amen.